want you to come away with something to think about tonight. You've been here any length of time. You know that I try to do my best to give you the Bible. Uh, it's not easy to open up God's word three, four times a week and try to get everybody on the same page or try to you know, say all that you want to say. And even in one month, let alone one sermon. So I ask you to just listen to this with open mind. Try to uh, try to if you don't agree with it, try to think of it from a different perspective. And chew on the verses, pray about it. I'm not here to tell you what you've got to believe. I'm here to give you what the Lord has given to me. And then you take it to God in prayer and you know, work it out with him. I do my best to answer questions. I don't have the answer to all the questions. <laughs> Just tell you I don't. But we've got a book we can trust and believe. And each of each and every one of us can go to that book. And each and every one of us can go to the throne of grace. So you don't need me to get to God. And you don't need me to, you know. Jesus Christ is the authority and should have the preeminence. I certainly am not the authority, but I appreciate being able to read and study his word. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10. Are we there? First Corinthians 10. And let's get Romans three. First Corinthians 10 and Romans three. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 32. The Bible says, give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. So we have three distinct groups that we see in first Corinthians chapter 10. We have the Jews. We have the Gentiles. We have the church of God. I'm not a Jew, but I'm a Gentile. Somebody that's a flesh and blood descendant of Abraham would be a Jew, not a Gentile. Then we have the church of God with in the church of God. It don't matter hill of beans if you're a Jew or a Gentile. <laughs> doesn't matter your national race. Uh, you're part of the church. So we have those three distinct groups we see in 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, we're going to key in on the church of God. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, the Bible says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God. I'm going to try to do that tonight, feed you some scripture verses from the word of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. What did Jesus Christ do for the church? He purchased it. What did he pay? How did he pay for it? Well, it says to feed the church of God, which he, that would be Jesus Christ, hath purchased with his own blood. A lot of the hymns, a lot of the modern versions want to take out the blood. They don't want to sing about the blood, talk about the blood or preach on the blood. But Jesus Christ purchased his church with his own blood. Romans chapter three. I know we typically go when we witness, uh, we're going to go out to do some type, some type of public evangelism. We typically go to verse 23 for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. That's a great verse to go to. Why? Because it's true. We all have. Yeah. And until someone knows that they're a sinner, they're not going to realize that they have a need for a savior. A lot of evangelism in the South is trying to get people lost. People think they're saved because they're Southern. <laughs> and we've got to convince them. No, you, you have sinned. And you have come short of God's glory. But it says uh, in verse number 24, being justified freely by his grace. It's not by our works through the redemption that is in church membership. No, in baptism. No, in good works. No, in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. Here it is through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness 
for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Now, this passage here, uh, it says in Jesus. Do you have to believe in Jesus or on Jesus? That would be yes to both. Yeah. You need to believe in Jesus Christ and you need to believe on Jesus Christ. Both are there. We're not going to teach on that, but you'll see different verses that will say in or on. Both would be needed and both would be right. You can't have in without the on because the devil's believe in trouble. A lot of people believe in Jesus. They just haven't trusted on him. Okay, so anyway. Um, so we're looking at this redemption that I wanted you to see in Romans chapter number three. Ephesians 1 verse 7, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. So I'm keying in on this church of God, and now I'm starting to, to use the sub key as purchased with his own blood. We saw in Acts 20, 28, we looked at redemption in Romans 3. We looked at redemption through his blood in Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, of sins. So your redemption was purchased by Jesus Christ with what? His own blood. So we got that, right? Yeah. Bible says you're bought with a price. First Peter 1.18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. You can't buy your way into heaven. We kind of went through all of that. And First Peter 1.18 makes it pretty clear from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You will have Muslims that will want to buy a lamb, a male ram. And they will sacrifice that ram. And that blood of that ram won't do anything for that false religion let alone give you any type of righteousness. Yet thousands of them all over the world right now are looking for a ram that they can purchase and slay that ram. I forget what time of the year actually that they actually do it in that religion. But we live next door to somebody that had uh, sheep. And every year they'd be there purchasing a, a, a ram. And of course, they had to slaughter it on the on the property. And I'm telling you, people have faith in things that aren't going to do anything for them except make them feel religious down here on earth. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ, and that blood is precious. It's the precious blood of Christ. All right. How about we go to Hebrews chapter number nine? Hebrews chapter number nine. That was the purchase. That was the purchase price, the blood. The transaction will be completed in Romans chapter 9. Look at verse number 12. Romans chapter 9. Bible says in verse number 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. 
For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifieth through the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That's pretty good there. I mean, the whole, the whole chapter, 9 and 10, I mean, the whole book is good. But this transaction is now completed in Romans chapter number 9, verses 12 through 14. Christ pleads the blood for the pardon of sinners. Who's the sinners? That would be us. <laughs> That's Christ pleading and interceding for us. And the blood of Christ is what? Is the basis. It's the merit for his pleading and interceding for us. Hebrews 10, go over to verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Sprinkling that blood that, that on the mercy seat, that transaction, that transaction is complete. The purchase price was paid by the blood of Jesus. Jesus pleads the blood, so to speak, for us and intercedes. And that is how he purchased his church. Okay. So now we're going to take all of that as a way of introduction. And that thought, I want you to get your mind on this. We have a New Testament that starts in Matthew 1.1 and ends in Revelation. It goes from Matthew to Revelation. So far, so good, right? But we don't have a New Testament church that starts in Matthew 1.1. We don't have a New Testament church when Jesus Christ is walking around during his earthly ministry. Why? Because he hasn't yet purchased it. How is he going to purchase it? With his blood. He hasn't done that yet when he is walking around during his earthly ministry. Um, uh, let's see Hebrews 9 for a second. Go back to Hebrews 9. Let's continue to read verse 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death. Well, in some parts of the New Testament, he hasn't died yet. He's still walking around during his earthly ministry. For the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Here it is, verse 16. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Jesus Christ hasn't died yet. So you could say, yes, I understand the New Testament book starts with Matthew and ends in Revelation. But you could scripturally and biblically say, that when Jesus is walking around in a lot of parts of Matthew, we're still in the Old Testament <laughs> because he hasn't died. So I want to just draw that out and just kind of get some scripture for that. Um, Hebrews 2.12 uh, 2, says, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. Will I sing praise unto thee? 
Heck, it's a cross-reference from Psalm 22 in the Old Testament that says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. When we have the Old Testament, we have Jesus Christ revealed in the Old Testament. That doesn't mean those folks saw it or got it, but it don't mean he wasn't there. It's just, hey, do you know what's behind that door? No, until you go through the door, until it's been revealed. That doesn't mean stuff isn't in there. Just means it hasn't been revealed to you or to me yet. Uh, Acts seven thirty eight, for example, will say the church in the wilderness, a reference back to Exodus. Um, the Bible says in Psalm one eleven one, praise you the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Was David in a New Testament congregation or a New Testament assembly? No. Was he in a congregation and were they assembling? Yes. Proverbs 5.14, I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. So throughout the Bible, there has always been a called out assembly. There always has been. The church in the wilderness, was there a church in the Old Testament? There was. Is it the New Testament church? No. When Jesus is walking around during his earthly ministry, was there a church? Were people gathering? Were they assembling? It'd be great to have Jesus as your, I mean, to hold the man. <laughs> but they all didn't get it. They all didn't get it. Best teacher. God manifest in the body of flesh and they wanted to put him on the cross. But if you went and assembled with Jesus Christ, during his earthly ministry, you and I wouldn't have been part of a New Testament church because Jesus said, I will build my church. Future tense. That's Matthew 16. Go, uh, if you don't mind going there. 16, 18. Matthew 16, verse number 18, uh, the Bible says, uh, this is Jesus speaking. And I say also unto thee, thou, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We already did this timeline uh, we already did it and finished the series on that, so we're not going to go back. But Jesus has got the keys. <laughs> He's, hell's not a problem for him at all. He can just go right on through it and come out just as the Son of God would. We would expect he would. So no problem there. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But look what he says. Two, four words I'd like to draw your attention to. He says, I will. That denotes what? It's not built yet. When Jesus says that in Matthew chapter 16, has his church been built? No. Is there a church assembling? Yes. Is there a gathering of people? Yes. Is it the New Testament church that we are a part of? If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. No, it's not. Because he says, look, I will build it, guys. I will. And you don't have to worry. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. 
All right, hold your finger there. Get John, go over to Matthew 28, get John 20. Matthew 28 and John 20. We went through this material as well, so we're not going to park too long on it. The Bible says in John 20, verse 17, we want, to, we want to see when was Jesus able to start building his church. If he said, I will build it, that means future tense. Jesus keeps all his promises. That's pretty basic. We know that. But when did he build his church? When did it start? John 20, verse 17, Jesus said unto her, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Now, we talked about this in detail before, the two ascensions. Well, this here in John chapter 20, Jesus says this before his first ascension. He says, look, don't touch me. Why? I have not ascended. Now, go back to Matthew chapter 28, verse number nine. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, all hail. They came and held him by the feet. And worshipped him. Jesus is saying this after his first ascension. Why can they touch him? Well, because he has already ascended. He's come back down and now they can touch him. In between those two events, you know what happened? That Hebrews 9 stuff we just read. That sprinkling of the blood on the mercy seat. That Jesus Christ completing that transaction now guess what we have everything in place everything in place for there to be a new testament body except one thing the lord breathing life on he gives them life the holy spirit and then we've got a new testament church Acts 2, 47, praising God and ha having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So you know what we have now? Jesus Christ died on the cross, purchased his church with his blood. But it didn't start yet. Because he ascended up. He sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat. It didn't start yet. He still had to breathe life into him. We see that happen. Especially in that upper room, right? They received the Holy Ghost. And now by the end, by the time you get to the end of Acts chapter two, now the Lord has something to add to, which is his New Testament church, which is what we are a part of. What did we start with? We have the Jew. We have the Gentile. We have the church of God. Who do we preach the gospel to? That would be the Jew and the Gentile alike. Because all have sinned, Romans 3, 23, and have come short of the glory of God. Oh, you are. I, I, I'm not going to. We, we witnessed to a Jewish person. I don't know if I told you that or not. Uh, it wasn't a, a long conversation at all. Um, I couldn't get 
to read him Isaiah 53 or anything out of the Old Testament because it was just he, he wanted to go. But uh, what do you think? I was going to not give him the God? Well, I'm a Jew. Oh, OK. Well, I grew up Roman Catholic. What's what's the difference? There is no difference. Why? Because all have sinned. The gospel is the same. It doesn't matter if they're Jewish. It doesn't matter if they are Gentile. It doesn't matter if they're Muslim. It doesn't matter if they're Roman Catholic. It doesn't matter if they're Southern. <laughs> we give the gospel to everyone. You can't take it to the wrong address. That you don't, if someone opens the door and says, well, I'm a Jew. Oh, sorry. Well, next door. No. You give that man the gospel. Yeah. They're as lost as, as, as the homeless drug act is lost. And we give the gospel. Now, so we got the Jew, we got the Gent, uh, Gentile, we have the church of God. But the Jew individually needs to get saved, but the Jew, nationally speaking, is what we're going to look at for a little bit now. And see this idea of the concern for Israel. How does Israel fit in to the equation? Uh, you know, Jesus wept over it. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They put them on the cross. And when the gospel was starting to preach, you know, where they were told to start beginning at Jerusalem. Um, go over to Romans 10. Romans 10. Romans 10 and verse number one. The Bible says, brethren. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone that believeth, well, except the Jew, except it doesn't say that. <laughs> it is to everyone that believeth. You need to believe the gospel, that burial and resurrection, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Bible says in Romans one sixteen, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed. Are you? I'm not ashamed of that gospel. Um, for it is the power of God unto every to salvation to everyone that believeth. Now watch to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, you see Paul spending a lot of time at synagogues. It's what he's doing. Preaching the gospel to the Jew. We already talked about this. We're the children of Abraham. We went through Galatians chapter three by faith. We are not the flesh and blood descendant of Abraham, although there are some that are. And if we run into them, we don't say, oh, well, no, we give them the gospel. We give them the gospel. But we don't have a fleshly seed of Abraham. We have a spiritual seed. But God is not done with Israel. 
prophetically speaking, right now, that nation has no breath in them, Ezekiel 37. But there's going to come a time where God will breathe life into them. That old deal in 1948 was a United Nations thing. That was something that happened down here on earth. And we can look back and say, okay, I can see God's hand over that, protecting that nation. And you can make that application. But that whole thing with the United Nations wasn't a God thing. That was a United Nations thing. There's going to come a day where God will breathe life into them. Right now, they have no breath in them. They've rebelled against God, and they're continuing to rebel against God. And they're a nation that's in rebellion right now against God. But prophetically, they will turn back to God. Right now, individually, what do they need to hear? The gospel. Nationally, they're in rebellion and they will turn back to God. Individually, they are in rebellion, just like a Gentile is. And just like we all, we already went through that. And they need to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're supposed to be going through Matthew 24, verse by verse. And we're gonna, we did verses 1 through 3, and we're going to pick up next Thursday on verses 4 to 6. So we're laying um, so a, a little bit of an introduction to get to Matthew 24. So let's go there. Actually, we'll be in Matthew 23. I want to show you something. You chew on it. That doesn't say you have to just listen to it, pray about it. In Matthew chapter 23, is there a New Testament church? No. Who is Jesus rebuking? Verse number two, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Look at verse number six, and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues. Who worships at synagogues? The Jewish people. Verse number seven. And greetings in the markets and to be called of men. Rabbi, rabbi. You call a Jewish man a rabbi. Which, by the way, all those terms. Every religion has these terms. In Roman Catholicism, it's father. You had to call him, well, Father Carmine. Um. The Bible addresses that. Call no man your father here on earth. So, no, I have a father, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Rabbi, Rabbi. You know what we've got? Oh, Reverend. You're a Reverend. Why does everybody want names and titles? Jesus Christ. Holy, the Bible says, and Reverend is his name. Yeah. I mean, that's what the Bible says. I know we like to, as Baptists, try to grab something. to, But look, the Bible addresses all three. Jesus is the one who should get all the praise. I know it's easy sometimes to teach. Sometimes we get ourselves caught by the Bible. But that's why God gave us the Bible. Help us with these things. We don't need titles. But Rabbi, Rabbi, that's a, that's a Jewish thing. Look at verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He's nailing these guys, all these scribes and Pharisees. He's rebuking them. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them 
that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses. And he goes on. Woe unto you, verse 15, scribes and Pharisees. And he is just rebuking them. Let me get to verse 16 and 17. Look at this. Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple. And in verse 17, look, for whether is greater the gold or the temple, who goes to the temple? The Jews. This is a Jewish rebuke. Verse number 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, for ye pay, uh, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. Who tithes? We're not gonna, this would be a whole other message. You, you, you can find this message on our website somewhere um, on tithing. And, I, and look, I get it. I understand where, where people are going with it. But as New Testament Christians, I know we say we're going to pay our tithes and all that, but we really don't tithe, biblically or scripturally speaking. But you know who did? The Old Testament Jews did. So I said all of that in Matthew 23 because I want to just point out, and I know I went through a lot of verses just to make, to basically make one point, and this is this. Who is Jesus rebuking? Jewish people at a Jewish temple. Jewish synagogue with Jewish terms. This is a Jewish rebuke. So when we get done with Matthew 24 and or Matthew 23, Jesus just, I mean, the whole chapter is Jesus just, I mean, this is a fiery rebuke. And then we get to Matthew 24. And I would say to you, it's not, it's not written for the church. It's all Jewish, and the church hasn't been built yet. Consider that. It's in the New Testament, but the New Testament church has not been started yet. He added to it the end of Acts, but right now there's nothing to add to. So I would submit to you that God is not done with Israel. And the New Testament church it didn't replace Israel. It's the sandwich almost in between. God started with the nation, provoked them to jealousy. They would seek after him. We're in the time of the Gentiles, but God is not finished with that nation. So by the time we get to the end of Matthew chapter 24, we, we would have preached verse by verse. But I would submit to you that the rapture doesn't happen at the end of Matthew chapter 24. And I would say that because I don't believe he's he's not even talking to the church. We already looked at last week uh, that the Lord himself shall descend in Thessalonians and then the angels are sent. So there's two different folks that are sent. Yes, there's a descending. Yes, there's something going on in the clouds. Yes, that is similar. But two different people are sent. The dead in Christ shall rise in our Thessalonians passage. They're coming out of the earth. Elect are gathered from the four winds. That's on the earth. We'll get into some other matters, but as, as we go verse by verse, but I should do this. Everything we said tonight, trying to lay some foundation on getting our minds wrapped around 
okay, there's always been a church, but there hasn't always been a New Testament church. When did it start? And who is Jesus speaking to in Matthew chapter 23? And now, more specifically, as we move on verse by verse through Matthew chapter 24. Hope that was a help. Hope it gives you something to at least think about. Run some verses on your own. Pray about it. Study it out. And we will close there.